can you take, take a deep reflection on your life and uh, try to articulate the most what you consider to be the most impossible thing you must realize that if God gives you a call for instance what God will call you to accomplish is something that you don't have the natural capacity to accomplish so even in the body of a call God is trying to take you outside of the box of your perceived limitation and it must be understood that the tower of the greatest towers of bondage are in the mind of men so what can you be at liberty to exercise your mind what what do you consider impossible because the Bible says that I have the capacity to do all things through Christ there is a renewal of mind that is required to accommodate things that you believe you are incapacitated to deliver but Christ in you can equip you with what it takes to operate in a dimension that you feel you are not naturally suited for so the greatest places of bondages are found in the minds of men it must be understood that I was born a stammerer could not speak and your pastor today is was a stammerer and through Christ I've seen how God can take you beyond your physical limitations and bring you to a place where you survive by grace the elasticity of grace is immense it's something that you cannot quantify something that you cannot foretell I would like you to pray a prayer of release that every mindset that has kept me in captivity all these years I go beyond their control I am gonna be everything that God has ordained me to be I am going to be everything that God has ordained me to be because with me nothing shall be impossible nothing shall be impossible nothing shall be impossible the more you say it the more you believe it with me nothing shall be grace available so that we have by reason of the supply of the Spirit of God the Spirit of might comes upon us and gives us abilities that are not inherent with us abilities that are supplied into our space by the Holy Ghost with men these things might be impossible but not with God but with God, all things are possible. All things 
are possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. In the name of Jesus, I receive grace to go beyond my limitations. I receive grace to be capable of everything that God has spoken about my life. mighty name of Jesus. So we saw yesterday how that strongholds refer to the walls of contentment and these walls of contentment that Satan builds around our lives are lies. So Satan uses lies to contain us and as long as your your perspective about a matter is built on lies. You are contained in Satan's invincible prison. So we say that lies are the walls that form strongholds. And anytime someone wants to be set at liberty, he needs to go for an adventure of truth. And the truth of God comes with light. And the light that comes by the word of God begins to shine upon your mind and then suddenly you discover that the walls were not as strong as Satan intended them to be but because these walls were not built instantaneously they will not be dethroned instantaneously it will be coming off block by block block by block block by block until it becomes a dwarf fence and after a while you will find out that you can jump over it. You will find out that you can, you can somersault over it. And when, when that time comes, Satan himself will send workers to pack the, the rest. Because he, he has other building projects that he needs to commission. He's short of supply, short of resources, short of manpower. So he can't have you having blocks that cannot contain you. There is a vicious circle of lies that have been used to contain men, contain nations contain generations, contain families, contain clans. But part of what we're going to do today is demolition. <laughs> demolition. You may be seated. God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. All right. I just want to give us... Um, Yesterday, uh, we saw a few conditions, a few states of the mind 
And uh, we spoke about the right mind. We so spoke about the sober mind. Did we speak about the sound mind? We spoke about the spiritual mind. We spoke about the anxious mind. We spoke about the carnal mind. And we spoke about the worthless mind. And finally, in that category, you can add the oppressed mind. The oppressed mind. That's the kind of thing that happened to Saul when an evil spirit tormented him and he needed the ministry of a minstrel, even David, to give him temporary relief. His mind was oppressed. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. He said, There is no vacuum in the Spirit. So the moment the Spirit of God was withdrawn, another spirit took over, and it would take the ministry of David as a minstrel to give him relief. This is the picture of an oppressed mind. And just in case you followed the tape that we played out yesterday, the testimony of the South African pastor, the diagnosis of his condition was that he was suffering from an oppressed mind. You see, the situation behind an oppressed mind is that there is a priesthood of darkness that has been set up and enchantment has been done. What enchantment is, is to give instructions to demons. So instructions have been given to demons to speak into someone's head. Those voices come so compelling, so strong, and so domineering. That is the back end of an oppressed mind. And that was, you know, what that pastor in South Africa was suffering from uh, whose tape we played to our hearing yesterday. So when you meet someone with an oppressed mind, it is more of a spiritual matter and you must spend time praying with the person. Spend time praying with the person. Spend time praying with the person. And you also must encourage the person to use his own faith to rebel against the words that are being superimposed upon his mind. So an oppressed mind. That's number eight. So those are the different postures of mind that a man can have. All right. So we'll take our golden scripture again. It's the reference point for all of these issues that we are raising uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for we, verse 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations 
and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I made a list of a few strongholds that we will need to deal with and the extent to which we are bound by these strongholds is relative. The first is fear. Now, I have a few definitions of the strongholds here. Fear is yielding to the reality of the possibility of danger instead of trusting God. Yielding to the reality of the possibility of danger instead of trusting in God. Fear is a spirit, all right? The moment the spirit of fear begins to advance its course in the mind of a man, he begins to accommodate the possibility of danger. That's what fear does. And I've seen so many people that have been bound by fear. Someone got admission, got scholarship, 100% scholarship to go study in the United States of America. He's an excellent student, excellent par excellence. Student par excellence. And he got this um, scholarship to go study in the United States. Then a strange fear came upon him. The fear could not be understood. The fear could not be explained. And on the account of that fear, he forfeited that admission. And uh, after the whole process of the admission had shut down and closed, the fear left him. And he has been telling the tale of his regret ever since. That is a stronghold. I don't know who is in this congregation, maybe on site or online, that has been battling with a secret fear in your heart. That is a stronghold, and those are the items that are going to suffer the weight of our demolition program for this evening. We are trusting God to cast them down in this place today. This is a theater for demolition. When you want to do serious demolition, you need to bring a caterpillar. Caterpillar is equipped with what it takes to destroy. So we are going to be going by the caterpillar of the word of God and we are going to confront that stronghold and we trust God that it will be uprooted in the name of Jesus Christ. The second identifiable, very common stronghold that has taken over so many people and is a result for disfavor is anger. Anger, a strong emotion that you feel or think when someone has behaved in an unfair or cruel or unacceptable way against you. A strong emotion that you feel when someone has behaved in an unfair cruel or unacceptable way towards you. It's a, it's a response using the tools of the flesh. 
the other day we saw a young man that was angry at the world, not because anything happened to him. He wakes up in the morning angry. Not because there was anyone that behaved in an unfair manner. Not because there was anyone that behaved in a cruel manner. And uh, when we were trying to help the young man, we were able to, during the counseling session, we were able to connect him to the fact that that was how angry his father was. And what he was experiencing was an inheritance, a transfer of a stronghold. There was a demon that was regulating him using the um, stronghold of anger. A stronghold of anger. And it doesn't matter where he is. Very intelligent. He can be in the midst of an interview. He's looking for a job. And then he gets angry right before the panel. The panel knows that this guy has the intellectual property that is needed to prosecute the job that is being ad advertised. But because of this anger, he falls out of favor again and again and again. And you know, an angry person will always look outside that what is wrong is outside. These are deceiving parameters that the devil puts in place in order to keep us perpetually bound. And just in case you are here, bound by the spirit of anger, we are going to touch it this night in the name of Jesus Christ. I've seen parents that have transmitted the spirit of depression to their children because of an unbridled dimension of the spirit of anger. If you are a victim here of any form of pressure that has, you know, dealt with you and is responsible for how you were shaped, we are trusting God for demolition in the name of Jesus Christ. Then we also have depression. Depression is another stronghold. Allowing the act of abandonment to instill a feeling of worthlessness. Allowing the act of abandonment to instill a feeling of worthlessness. Maybe in your family you were abandoned. You had genuine cases, genuine troubles, and the people that were supposed to help you, that had the means to help you, that had the capacity to help you, decided to relegate you to the background. And in the midst of that shadow, a spirit of depression was able to manipulate it itself and find a place in your mind. So you have been living under the influence of that spirit and your estimation of yourself, no matter how advantaged you are, is that you are worthless. And I've met many people like that, very intelligent people, sharp people, gifted people, but performance zero, because the people have come to a point where they, 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 they believe there is no need to strive further because of a sense, an utter sense of hopelessness that has besieged their mind. We also have another stronghold that is built around abuse. Anyone that is in this place that experienced any form of abuse whatsoever while you were growing up, something you could not share with your parents, 
but it affected your life. You had to keep it secret even though you were not taught how to keep it secret. But it was shameful, so you felt it was not to be exposed. And Satan shows up under such circumstances and he builds strongholds around the secrecy of the matter that you are trying to keep from coming into lamplight. He builds um, a stronghold of res resentment. There is an inner bitterness that has found its place in the human heart, which is occasioned by a disadvantage, is occasioned by an abuse that took place at some point, and it was not properly handled. There was no pathway for ventilation, and it became a stronghold of resentment. There is nothing you do to that person or about that person that excites the person. The person has gone beyond the possibility of excitement because there's an ingrained inner resentment that sits deeply on the person's heart. And even though you cast out the spirit, the fact that the structures of resentment have already been built as an everlasting stronghold in the person's mind, in the absence of the physical personality called the demon, uh, the control and the influence of that demon is still rooted in that structure of resentment that is built in the mind. You know, we said the other day that you can cast out devils, and that is instant, but you see, you cast down strongholds because it took time and convincing to build. Satan will bring theories. Then you will accept his theories. Then he puts a block there. He will bring postulations. Then you accept his postulations. Then he puts another block there. Then he will bring hypotheses. Then you accept his hypothesis. Then he puts another block there. He will also bring philosophies. And you accept his philosophies. He puts another block there. Before you know it, that's how you think. That's your vista. That's your window. That's your outlet through which you view the world. The walls that Satan has built in your space. And it doesn't matter how much favor, how much blessing God causes to collocate around you. Your life will be regulated by these strange, invincible walls that Satan has built in your mind. We will need to uh, explore them so that we can attack them. Another one is called self-hatred. Self-hatred. I've seen a lot of this um, in Britain. In Britain. Self-Britain, I've seen a lot of it in Brazil. Self-hatred. I can't explain it. How did the devil build this, ed this edifice? Some people, some people in Britain, some people in Brazil, when you engage them, uh, why are they not coming to church? Uh, some of them are even from Christian backgrounds, and they can relate with your invitation that you're extending for them to come to church. But the person sees himself in such a manner that he's not, he's not deserving of any form of improvement whatsoever. My God, you, you are not deserving of any form of improvement. And then there is a very strong argument. You begin to see uh, the psychology and the philosophy behind the stronghold that Satan has built to contain them. All right, I just went through that list 
just to um, bring us up to speed. The list is not exhaustive whatsoever, but it's just an attempt to make you understand the kind of strongholds uh, that the devil builds. And it gives you uh, so many reasons why it is legitimate for you to think from that standpoint. That thinking becomes your pattern. It becomes your eye view. It becomes the way you see the world. And there's little you can do as long as you are contained therein. If you check the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that is our reference scripture, you'll find a few things. We spoke about walls. Do you still remember? Then we spoke about what? Towers. Oh my, you have forgotten. Spoke about walls. Those are the walls of, content, of containment of lies that Satan builds. So one of the things that you are going to put down, pen down on your paper now as we teach are the lies that you have believed that Satan told. Were you in an academic program and then suddenly you, are, you thought of dropping out because of the challenges and all that? Your inability to finish the program is tied to a lie Satan told you that you believed. Look at your limitations, every limitation, every shortfall, every time, uh, the limits, the things that you believe you cannot proceed beyond. Look at it. There is a lie behind it. Because according to the scripture, Apostle Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I told you yesterday that if you are not in a good frame of mind, if you are not very positive about yourself and they drop you in London and you say you are a missionary and you want to influence the people, you will just notice that everything works in London. The transport system works. The electricity system works. The um, water system works. The, every system works. So everybody's busy. Nobody even knows you are standing where you are standing. And then you begin to think, how can I influence this? You need to have a very positive mindset for you to be able to penetrate that place. And if you see the kind of penetration God has given us in that place, it's overwhelming. No man that is a failure inside can produce results on the outside. The principle is this. If you win in your mind, you will win on the ground. Right now, you know, I was speaking with Philip. I didn't know the world was so small. This world, very small. Very, very small. I thought it was big before. So if you put me in Lagos now, I laugh. You see, when the, the strongholds are removed, the whole world can be our parish. But you, you are in Ipole, in the village, and that's where you are stranded. You are saying, hey, ah. no, the, the demons are not that strong. They are in your mind. And the Lord will help us to, to find the lies that they have used to continue and to demolish them adequately. So we spoke about the walls of contentment that are lies that Satan has told us, and we spoke about the towers, and those towers are exaggerations. Superfluous and overbloated matters. The moment you shed the light of God's word on the walls of contentment, and you discover that those walls are actually lies, the towers will fall of their own accord. 
But if you have dealt with the walls and dealt with the towers, there's still a third thing that you need to deal with, the prison of thoughts. Because if you check the reading, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing, the high thing is the tower, every exaggeration, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And then the third aspect of the spiritual world of the mind is bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So that's the object of today's teaching, bringing thoughts into captivity. The first thing that you must understand about thoughts is that your thoughts, are you there? Are you with me? You know, how many of you still remember the pastor's voice note? The thoughts he had were overwhelming. It's as if the thoughts wanted to control him instead of him being in control of the thoughts. Anytime you find yourself in a situation where you have imposing thoughts, have you been there before? Thoughts are imposing themselves on you. Are you with me? Who is the man on the keyboard this night? Come, sit on your keyboard. I want to, I want to make an example. Okay? This is how thoughts are. So what's your name? I can't hear you. So his name is Jeremiah, and he's on the keyboard now. Now, if you don't touch the keyboard, can he play itself? Good. So the keyboard is your brain. Are you there? The man on the keyboard are your thoughts. Your, your thoughts play your brain. You get that? Are you with me? I, I don't know. Jeremiah, have you ever seen a keyboard that has lost some keys? Or a keyboard that some keys are not working? Uh, I've seen people like that before in Brazil. You know, I told you about some guys in Brazil. There's a certain drug that if they take it, huh? any dustbin area where something is oozing out, the smell is terrible. That's, they'll feel at, they'll be most at home in such places. You see, what has happened to him is that some notes on his keyboard are falling off. It doesn't matter how skillful you are huh? in playing. There are some sounds you cannot make because some notes are missing. Now, so see this guy. We have established that it is, in fact, it's a demonic situation. If Jeremiah should come to the keyboard and find the keyboard playing itself, Jeremiah knows that demons already have visited. So that, that's what happened to you when you have imposing thoughts. Because you are supposed to be in charge of your thoughts. So if you find a situation where your thoughts are going haywire and compelling you to submit to it, it means that you are suffering from a situation of oppression. It means that your thought that is supposed to be a captive has become a captain. 
Are you there? So number one, in my script, because we want to talk about bringing thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing thoughts into captivity. Now, uh, brother, brother in blue, what's your name? What? Ah, he can't talk. Austin. Now, this is brother Austin. He's wearing, putting on blue. If we want to arrest brother Austin and put him in a cell, first of all, we need to capture him. Is that true? We must do what? So, if we cannot capture your thoughts, if we cannot take authority over your thoughts, it is impossible to imprison those thoughts, bring them into captivity. So the first thing that we must learn how to do is the art of capturing thoughts. How do you capture thoughts? Uh, so, the keyboard is the brain. The man playing the keyboard, your thoughts. Is that clear? Your brain and your thoughts are not the same thing. Your brain is a machine. Your thoughts is the wisdom by which the machine is played. Right? So play some stuff on your keyboard there. As long as it strikes the, the chords, the sound will come out. So what the Bible is saying here is that you must be the one responsible for striking the thoughts. The thoughts must not just be flowing, just flowing like that. No. And I will show you scriptures that reveal that we are supposed to be in charge of our thoughts. It is only when you are having an encounter with God, which is what we advise, that you, you set your affections on things above, that God now comes into the room and God begins to play the keyboard of your thoughts. Because he's sharing his thoughts with you. It's a glorious experience. But the same way God sneaked in and began to play the keyboard, the devil can sneak in and also begin to play the keyboard. So we must learn the art of capturing thoughts because we cannot arrest someone and put the person in prison if we have not captured. So how do you capture thoughts? How do you apprehend thoughts? The thing is flowing and you want to stop the flow. I told you before, no matter how vicious your thoughts are, your words have more authority than your thoughts. So when the thoughts begin to flow, you speak to your thoughts, speak to it. You must, you must understand that the person playing that keyboard is a personality. And demons are persons without bodies. So you must address that spirit that is playing the organ of your mind. Are you there? You must address it. Hatred doesn't just build. Bitterness doesn't just build. There is a spirit being that begins to speak and gives you elaborate on how bad that sister is. See what she did. 
and begin to bring revelations, all kinds of ideas. And before you travel from here to Abuja, you arrive at Abuja, you have concluded that the only thing she is good for is death. All of that took place in the mind. There was someone that was playing it. But because you did not know that you had authority over the things that were flowing in your mind, you did not apprehend the thought. A time came that those thoughts became a sitting reality upon your heart and they have even given you a perspective, given you persuasion, and they have given you a line of action. All by sitting down and moving from Makodi to Abuja, you already have a line of action. And the line of action is that you need to do to that sister anything that is needed for you to register the fact that. And all of that took place in the faculty of your thought. If you, if you don't know what it takes to apprehend thought, you become a slave of every wind that comes into the room. And when Satan sees that your room is not secure, he will come again and again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. First of all, in order for you to fully apprehend thought, I would like to give you a syllabus. A syllabus of... Uh, what good thought is like Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 give me Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 let's find approved thought let's find good thought Philippians 4 verse 8 then when we are able to identify good thought any thought does that does not line up with the arrangement that we have in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 should be apprehended it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, underline true, whatsoever things are honest, underline honest, whatsoever things are just, underline just, whatsoever things are pure, underline pure, whatsoever things are lovely, underline lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, underline good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if this scripture is true, it means that the responsibility of thinking is up to us. You can choose what you think. You can decide what you think. You can accept what you think. Thoughts cannot just be imposed on you. When you see thoughts imposed on you, it means that a violation of your territorial integrity has been committed and it is a crime worthy of what? Arrest. The crime worthy of arrest. So in keeping with the scripture that commands us, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The first application of that keeping, the first response in view of our responsibility to keep has to do with the ability to check thoughts and to apprehend thoughts that do not meet up, measure up according to the specification of the scripture above. So can we pick out all the items? The first item is true. Second item is honest. Third item is just. Fourth item is 
pure. Fifth item is lovely. Sixth item is good report. Then he said, something can be true, but it may not have any virtue. There is still no need to think on it. Something can be honest, but it doesn't have any way of giving praise to God. Don't think on it. If there be any virtue, if there be any item that is worthy of praise, he said, think on these things. You are eventually going to be a product of your thinking. The reason why you're an expert in the job you do is because you have allowed your mind to, to enter into the level of excellence in that practice. But you can be excellent on your job and very bad in another area because the stronghold that was built in your life affects the area of your limitation. So if one person, you can have excellence here and you can have poor in another area, that suggests the area where the strongholds are. You cannot be more than your thoughts. For the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we see the product that comes out of your life, it gives us an idea of the quality of thoughts that flow through the realm of your mind. Are you still with me? We can't teach prosperity without teaching people the use of the mind. Someone, are you there? Because prosperity is proof. Poverty is proof that your mind is sick. Your mind is sick. All it takes to make somebody prosper is God giving you just one inspired idea. In, in as much as the economy seems to be weak and all of that purchasing power for the naira is on a downward trend and that's no limitation there is one idea that god can give you and if it's adequately incubated and administered it will produce such that you you don't have room enough to contain it doesn't take a big idea to set you in motion what will distinguish you is not a big thing it's not you deriving the skudinja equation not as difficult as that it's just an inspired idea that comes from God. And if God is to inspire you, there must be room in your mind to contain the inspiration. It is possible for that inspiration to be aborted because an inspiration comes like an embryo that is fertilized. And it must have an enabling environment to make it grow until it is rooted. And then you no longer see the impossibilities around it. You own everything you see is possibility. In order for you to incubate something and give birth, and we see the results of what you had in your spirit mind, you need to have a good mind, an excellent mind. You need to have a mind that is not limited by walls, towers, and prison houses. I remember. When we were showing the 3D um, video of where we are staying now, we were showing the 3D video. It only existed in the computer. This building was in the computer. I remember what a psychophant whispered to me. And what he whispered was, 
man of God. Is this thing not too big? Let us not be doing flesh and then think God is involved. You can build something that is smaller, that something, something you can do. So he was trying to superimpose the walls he had in his mind and to transfer them to me. But unfortunately for him, he doesn't know the protocol that went down in order to make that building that was in the computer so real that there was nothing that could steal it away. Meanwhile, you must understand that even the gospel, when the gospel is preached, the birds of the air, that is demons, can still steal it from your heart. When it is still a thought, it can be stolen. So if it's not adequately incubated, that which God ordained that makes for life may never see the light of day because there was no enabling environment in your mind to tend it so that it will mature. When we were on site, the person that spoke to me that day never came. When we built, he never came. When we roofed, he never came. It was two days ago, I was in the office studying, praying. Then I saw his number. You see, hallelujah. The reason why I did not pick is because I don't know which discussion, okay, how are we going to continue with? The last time we spoke, he was claiming that the 3D design was flesh. That is it not possible for us to stay within the limit of possible performance? He didn't know that it, it, was, it was established. Alright? Now, he's calling. There is no positive thing that can come out of that discussion. There's no virtue there. No virtue. No virtue. So anything that he will bring, we can't think on it. So there was no need. I, I know how to put my phone and it will ring and, and the call will expire. It's not everything you should be involved with. Your mind is a womb. And when things come from the realm of the spirit and inspire you, the womb that will receive them is your mind. If you can't conceive it, if, you know, many times God will take people out, take prophets out and say, what do you see? He's trying to train them to be able to capture a picture. So I see the branch of an almond tree. And almonds are the first to show signs of life in the rainy season. They are the first to shoot out. When others are still struggling, to come out green, almonds are already showing signs of life. You say, I see the branch of an almond tree. You, say, ah, you have seen correctly. Now I will hasten my word. It doesn't look like my word can come to pass, but just like the almond shows signs of life first when the rains hit the ground. That's how I'm going to hasten my word to do what? To perform. The moment you can capture it, you can see it, then the grace of God is poured out to bring it to pass. Do you have a mind that is a womb? A womb that can hold the thoughts of God, the ideas of God. When I was asleep yesterday night, I, I, then, then the angel came to me again. The angel comes so frequently these days. And he spoke to me. I was walking on the path and he spoke to me. He said, the more you walk, the better it will become in the future. 
The moment we finished building this place and we set up that my office, I was I began to like the office. And then I said, let me pray. While I was praying in the office, the Lord said, this is not your place. So I called Chief Don. I said, Chief Don, you've been looking for places to pray. <laughs> you can take this. The reason why God is saying that is because every breakthrough you have can become your breakdown. It can become your end. Your end. Your end is in every form of success that you ever experience. There is corruption in every promotion you have. Either secular or sacred. Satan can feast on it and make it the, your limit. And that's why we need the voice of God. He said, this is not your place. That your place is among the nations. So we had to leave that office. Meanwhile, it's a good place. The, the chair, the cushion, when you sit on it, it, it has respect for your backbone. It's a, it's a nice place. But there's something beyond it in the service of Jesus. So I had to leave it. And I moved. And I'm still moving. And now he's telling me about America. It's time to enter America. You need to go to America. Before this year ends, you will see. You will see the spoils of our America. Yeah. Because I have seen it. He will hasten his word to perform it. What, what are you seeing? You are seeing Aleku. Aleku. The other day, I met some believers talking. And one said, spoke about our leku. The other one said, did they not say they should not be mentioning this kind of thing about our leku? <laughs> In the mind. In the mind. I pitied that young man. You still respect Aleku till now. The devil is not that strong. You gave him that place in your life. Because our leku has no place in our life. But you gave him that place. And as long as he has that place, you are not going anywhere. Just like the people that believed in him and worshipped our leku never went anywhere in your village. That's how your life... You are in Makoti, but it's no different. The, the prison houses are still standing. So he said something here. He said, we need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So how do we do that? First of all, we must learn how to capture thoughts. When you see that a string of terrible thoughts are flowing through your mind, begin to speak to the thought. Begin to speak to it. Speak the word of God to me. Let the thoughts know that you know the position of the word of God about the matter that is being raised. Suddenly the thought of hating people begins to flow into your heart. You know, I told you how to defeat that. Just wake up in the night speaking tongues. When there's some oil on your lips, begin to say, I love them. Say it to the break of day. I love them. I love them. They, it will crash that those words, I know. Because this was the example that Jesus gave us. That while we were yet sinners, while we had no means of appreciating him, he loved us so much that he died for us. So, 
the people don't need to change before you love them. So me, loving them is a decision. It's a decision that sets you at liberty. You are not looking for people to fight. You are guarding all your arsenals to forge ahead in destiny. No, I'm not fighting local fights. They say that fight in the family, that there's a land, it belongs. Hey, what are you talking about? What are, which land? The land your father fought and he was, he, he died and he was still talking about that land. Ah, no, it, it, you are, the, your death has gone with that fight. Don't go to any burial and continue fights that began before you were born. The moment you get there, say, okay, what is the problem? This land, I give all of you and go and sleep. Hey, what will come out of my life will be more than that contention. The thing is, it's a spirit that is involved. It's not even the land that is a matter. Because the people that started the matter have died. But yet the fight is even more intense than the first generation that began the fight. This is the problem. Take. We don't fight. We don't contend. Give, and you will discover as you have given them, they won't do anything with it. So you will discover it is not about the land. It's a spirit that has entered into the atmosphere. I don't fight generationally. I fight the good fight of faith. I contend with the limitations that are standing in the way of that which God has told me. And by the spirit of might, which is the supply that God makes available, I'm able to mount up beyond the walls of limitation that stand against that which God has promised me. I will hasten my walls to perform it. I will hasten my walls to perform it. I will hasten my words. It doesn't matter where you were born. If, if God has his way tonight and demolishes the structures that have kept you in the invincible prison, you will discover that like Elijah, the hand of God can come on you and you will run faster than the chariots of Ahab. How many of you still remember when we were in the tent there? When that place? A lot of people were saying, okay, like a pastor came from uh, Meduguri, came to visit me and called me a foolish man. I said, okay, wh why does he call me foolish? He said, see, a lot of people are listening to my messages free. There are some things I can do about my messages that it will not be for sale. And this is the amount. He brought, he analyzed it on a computer. This is the amount that you can get from the sales of your messages, just in case. These are the... This is the market you have. That he went to Alaba and he saw that they were packaging my messages and selling. He went to Maraba and he saw one guy with, with, a with a wheelbarrow. It's my message I was playing. Reports have come to me from everywhere. See, you are wasting resources. You are a foolish man. You can sell it. Huh? Meanwhile, he is not aware of the instruction that Jesus gave me. That we should make bread available because a time of drought is coming so that everyone can have access to good bread. We are looking for ways to smuggle it into places for free. You are looking for how to sell it. So when he saw that it was our will to make it free, he said that my foolishness will never end. And that, that's how he left but he's not, he wasn't aware that I had a deal with Jesus. That if you can make bread available in the drought, 
I'm going to make you a voice on the continent of Africa and you will speak to the world. My counsel will be on your lips. He, he didn't know that. So when he left and he insulted me, my heart broke. I went back to Jesus. I said, Jesus, we are not making progress. We are small. You know what he did to me? Then he opened my eyes. Then I saw the future. And I knew that we were not small. We were small physically. That's what we thought. But we had gathered muscles in the spirit. Sometimes God needs to open your eyes. So I was delivered from trying to promote myself. I was delivered from it. And I allowed Jesus to be the one to introduce me. And Jesus came in his own time. He still came three years after all of those things happened. Please help me tell your neighbor, Jesus has his, his time. So the first thing we need to do is to learn how to capture, to apprehend thoughts. Apprehend thoughts. If thoughts of bitterness begin to flow through your mind, you speak to the thoughts. And tell the thoughts that, no, I am an object of love. My God is love. And I am his daughter. I am his son. I'm not capable of hatred. I am only capable of love. I love James. I love Tony. I love Omoge. Oh my God. The demon bringing that thought with us, he has been arrested. His duty has been cut short. The next time the demon wants to make you hate again, the demon is already sure that the possibilities of success are bleak. If he tries it again and then you arrest him, you have made that thought captive. That one is in prison. Satan can't bring that kind of thought. He can't occur to him to bring that thought to you again because you delved a terrible blow the last time he used that thought to try your space. What is, the, what is that looming thought that you have allowed for 25 years to keep you in bondage. A man came and married, married a woman as a virgin and then began to have children with other women outside and was hiding it. All right? And then she now discovered after 10 years of marriage. And when she raised the issue, the man said, come on, pack your load and leave my house. What was that rubbish? So she was wounded. And for the next 25 years, her prayer was, God, let that man die. I release fire on him. I release the most bitter causes of Egypt. I release fuel and flame on him. Guess what? The man prospered more. He, he expanded to the left and to the right. Every form of expansion the man had aggravated the situation. She would come back and say, Jesus, kill. Let him die. And she did that for 25 years. And one day she came to say, die. 
That was what she came for. And then the Lord now spoke to her. Can't you forgive me? Okay, I forgive. Say, Lord, I forgive him. Then the man died. <laughs> Do you know what? Free yourself. Free yourself. Free yourself. Free yourself and be free. The person that was bound was not the man. The person bound was the woman. The moment she freed herself, the man died. The pain became a stronghold. Today you are going to set yourself free. You come out of the prison house. You will break the fetters. You will break the chain. Set those people free. Doesn't matter how they hold you. But you still have a destiny. A destiny that God has spoken over your life. As I speak, yokes are breaking already. You have a destiny. Oh my God. Help me preach to your neighbor. You have a destiny that God has spoken over your life. You have a destiny. I will not be tied down. Every wrong deed that everyone ever did to me, I set them free. I set them free by Jesus. I set them free by the blood of his cross. I hold no man and I'm against no man. Oh God, look upon me and let your mercy cause my face to shine. Ooh. Ooh. You can't remain in their prison houses. You cannot be bound. It is not God's purpose. It's not God's will. The moment she said, I forgive him, he died. The day she came out of her own prison was the day that God began the judgment. She has prayed for the judgment. She has asked for thunder. Asked for fire. Say, let his house fall on him suddenly. He went and built another one. Instant. Please help me tell your neighbor, come out of the prison house. Come out of jail. Sometimes just saying, I forgive, breaks the walls, and you walk free again. I will walk free. I will walk free. Who is he that has hurt you? Can you say boldly, I will walk free. Oh my God. I will walk free. I'm not a creature of offense. My heart is straight. My thoughts are right. God is my Savior. The Holy Ghost is my helper. I lack nothing. I have need for nothing. For God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. Those are the kind of things I say to myself. So you can't even get me to be in prison. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Okay. Come with me quickly. So the first thing that you need to do is to what? Capture your thoughts and make your thoughts captive. Your thoughts want to be a captain. They want you to be subject to them. Demons want to superimpose thoughts on you that will become your captain. But you need to capture the captains. And then you make them what?
captives. That's the first thing. Second thing that you need to do in order to walk free and to maximally find grace and express grace is that you must train your thoughts. You must train them. Because if the Bible says, think on these things, it means you must be in charge. Train your thoughts to think on things that are pure. Are you there? To think of things that are honest. Think on things that are just. To think on things that are of a good report. To think of things that, that have virtue. Things that are praiseworthy. When you train your thoughts, you will find out that your thoughts itself will build a barricade so that when negative thoughts come, it will beep. It will send a signal. Train your thoughts. I realize that on Facebook now, we have minor pornography on Facebook. I don't know where all those, this thing came from. Minor pornography. Or is it only my own Facebook page that that thing is happening? It's everywhere. Don't watch it. It looks like comedy, but it's a trade. It's a trade to pollute your thoughts. There's no purity in that arrangement. If you keep feeding on that, a time will come. When you come out and see a sister in church, you, you can visualize her naked. Because there's no purity in your mind. You know, I told you when I went to Israel and I visited the Wailing Wall, I saw the way the, the rabbis were quoting the Torah. And they'll be shaking their head like this. They'll be shaking their head like this. They'll be shaking their head like this. I say, hey. And they do it for 24 hours. The requirement of the Bible, they have fulfilled it. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. Bible scholars, because I read some historical perspective, that chief priest, that high priest that condemned Jesus to death, they say his thoughts, he was not, he was not keeping the law of thought, which is to be reading scriptures. He, he stopped doing it a long time ago. That was why Satan was able to give, inspire him with that idea. That the idea of keeping your, your thoughts flowing with scriptures is so that you begin to think in scriptures. I remember when I was in the oil industry, in the depot here in Mahakoti, so some people from the Muslim community came to me and said, we have seen that you are a just man. You don't want to take money that is not your own. And we have watched you for many years. Because of this, we want to do business with you. All you need to do is bring this amount. We will run the business and give you your profit. I said, okay, that's a good idea. They said, however, we are Muslim. I said, what does that mean? That we need to go to North Bank and buy a ram and do a sacrifice, pour blood, and take an oath that will not cheat out. I say, you are, you are mistaken. <laughs> I'm not just a Christian. I'm a priest for Jesus. And this thing that you are doing is darkness. If you want to prosper, come to me. I will tell you how we will prosper. I'm the one that should teach you how to secure your investment. That was how we couldn't do 
that business. The opportunity was there, but it will not happen because the people were wrong. I will follow you to North Bank to go and sacrifice a ram. Ah! You know, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? No. That's not me. I'm not that desperate for money. My God knows how to give me money. I'm not so faithless to help God. God is, I am God's problem. I'm God's property. I'm God's body. He's my father, so he needs to take care of me. I'm here. I'm, I'm okay to wait for him. To open the door. To make a way. I'm not in a hurry. And I'm not that ambitious. Think on these things. The things you cannot do, you cannot do because of the way you think. For some of us, casual immorality is not part, we, is, we don't think of it. Do you understand that? It is not that opportunities to, for, for such don't come, but the door to it is closed in our thought. So when those opportunities rise, it's as if I'm, I'm in an atmosphere of COVID. Do you understand it? Close the door to immorality in your thought that for me it is not an option. And it will be so. We were in a mall in one country and my friend was saying, ah, didn't you notice that that girl was liking you? I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Because he was not where? He was not in the top. There were many things that you will not notice. Because that's not how you think. He said, think on these things. A man that will bring his thoughts captive must be in charge of what? Training his thoughts. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You will need to study the word. You will need to meditate on the word. You will need to confess the word. You will need to memorize the word. You study it. You meditate on it. You confess it. You memorize it. You study it. You meditate on it. You confess it. You do what? Memorize it. You study it. You meditate on it. You what? And then you what? Memorize. It becomes your wisdom. You think through it. You process things by it. You know what you can do and what you cannot do. In the light of that which you have built into your thought frame. Train. Train your thoughts. I think it was Rick Warren that wrote the meaning of think. Think. So write think. Put T-H-I-N Okay, then we'll know the meaning of T, then the meaning of H, the meaning of I, and the meaning of N, and the meaning of K. So T means test every thought. Test every thought. This is how to think by requiring. T means what? Test every thought. Do not think that thoughts are independent. Do not think that thoughts are neutral. As the thoughts are coming, you do what? Test it. You can shut the door to bitterness. You can shut the door to hatred. You can shut the door to strife. You can shut the door to backbiting. 
you can shut the door to depression by analyzing thoughts and when you see it's not that worthy of your, your thinking, you shut the door to it. You say, test every thought. Age is the helmet of salvation. That your thought pattern, your thought processes are true and with the backdrop that I am saved. Satan will like to pull you into thought arenas that doesn't acknowledge your salvation. Just like those comedies, you will think it's entertainment. Satan is saying, he doesn't acknowledge that you are saved. Because if you are saved, you will not be there. Do you understand that? I am saved, so I cannot think these thoughts. doesn't matter how the comedy is and how many likes people have, how many views people have, it has gained. I am not going to add to the views because I am born again. I'm born again. I remember those days when I was still in the service and people want to do deals. They don't include me. Because they know this one is a pastor. You will not accept. Yeah. And that's, that's honorable. I am born again. I am born again. When the house of Reb ran an inquiry of our operations, hallelujah, and many of my colleagues were invited by EFCC. Some were detained. People made phone calls. If phone calls can cut people's ears, their ears will be on the ground. I had nothing to fear. Because my signature was not on any document that was fraudulent. When I was submitting my um, application for resignation, they didn't call me to ask me any question. They just say, are you sure of this decision? I say, I'm sure as heaven is high above and the earth is beneath. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. They had nothing on me. Because there is no allowance for anything negative. I am what? Born again. There are things that people that are born again don't think about. I Imagine great thoughts. Yeah, Pastor Tony, I know you are from Ogbadikbo, local government area. But you can imagine the world. <laughs> you can imagine being a blessing to nations. Such a blessing that your background doesn't, it doesn't add up. Don't, no, no, forget about that. Ogbadikbo was privileged to have you, but the it doesn't spell out any part of your potential. Every time God speaks to me, I remember how God delivered me. We were in that place, that small place, all right? And I was in the place of prayer. I was saying, how long? When will you bring redemption to us? When will your face of mercy shine and you will enlarge our coast and cause our borders to flow with milk and honey? I was just talking to God. And the Lord said, if you say you are a giant, then take giant steps. That's the message I'm preaching to you today. If you say, yeah, please preach, preach, preach for me. If you say you are a giant, what do you do? Take! 
to what God was saying. It was not unto me. I've already made everything available, but your mind is small. Meanwhile, when you preach, you say you are a giant in the law. It's all right. If you believe what you are saying, that you are a giant, what you need to do to prove it is what? Take giant steps. Take giant steps. Take giant steps. Take giant steps. I said, all right, no problem. Our architect came. I said, draw an auditorium of 4,000. You think I'm mad. Indeed, if you had seen me then, you would say, he's mad, he's mad. But you see, I had an instruction from God to take. So, I, I mean, I want to take the step. If they fail, then I'll go back to God and say, Oga, you, I was on my own. I was doing well. You said I should take. Yeah? But God never gave me the opportunity to come back with a complaint. Never gave, gave me the opportunity. The foundation for this place was laid, 55 million. When I stood on it, I spoke to Satan. I said, Satan, this is no longer in the realm of the spirit. This is on ground now. I'm working on it. You were alive, but it happened. You were well, but you could not resist this. Even as we raise it up, you look at it from where you are, and you will see that it will happen in spite of you. Oh my God, I prayed in tongues on the ground. I prayed in tongues on the ground. I prayed in tongues. I shook myself. It, it was becoming exciting. And the walls began to go up. Jesus Christ. I remember when they put these slabs and I walked on it as a setter. You that have bedeviled. Meanwhile, Minister of Works came and checked the foundation. And they say since 1976, no building in Benue State has been built like this. Are you there? The guild of engineers that came, civil engineers, current, they came to check whether our building was according to specification. It exceeded current specification for safety. It exceeded it. They thought that, okay, the thing was deficient so that they can ask for bribe. They, 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 they left dry. I say more Korea back enemy. Dry. Then they stopped coming. They were supposed to come like four or five times. So what we did was, if we build, we'll snap it, and then we'll keep it on the dashboard. So that even if they forget to come and come, all the things they're looking for is on the dashboard. They didn't come again. Until the roofs. People say it was the governor that was building. The governor sent spies to check who is behind this building. And the people saw me many times, but I didn't look like the person behind. Thank God. <laughs> I didn't look. So they went without finding the person. Even the day of inauguration, we called the governor, and he looked at me. He said, it's not me. What do I have? Who am I? But Jesus was the one that trained my mind. He said, he said if you say you are a giant, do what? Take. The next giant step we had to take was the, the, the cable television. We said broadcast to Africa, broadcast to Europe. 
then we started. We had to go on two satellites. The, the satellites that you will not find so much preaching so that we can transmit from that angle. It looked impossible. Then, when we did it, I was watching it. I said, so we are on cable now. So, I will preach, and then I'll go on cable and see myself. It has increased my mother's lifespan. It has increased her lifespan. That in my lifetime, you did this. She, I said, no, the law. This is the calling I was telling you that I had. Do you understand that? Meanwhile, when I was studying the Bible all night, those days, my dad and my mom troubled me. They say human beings don't study the Bible like this. This is madness. You are, you are about entering madness. I showed her, see where the madness has taken me. Her lifespan, she, she has decided that she won't die now. Because when my dad died, every time you say, hey, give me... Give me food, let me eat so that I will die. Give me this so that I will die. Give me that. And then when she came here for the inauguration, then she climbed upstairs. I said, my son, I'm not dying. Again. Kumai kakobelaisi. Kuria maso. I'm not. The covenant with death has been aborted. There's something to live for right now. Take giant what? So when God now saw that, okay, I was beginning to catch up with that kind of thinking. He now said, all right, I give you Ghana, I give you South Africa, I give you the United Kingdom. My blessing is on you to, to influence Christianity in this nation. I didn't know anybody anywhere these places the moment the lord said it i had an invitation to preach in london then i was still in the service i was still working so i applied for casual leave they approved it and i was on british airways the, the church that invited me put me on first class business class that's the first time i'm going long distance on business class you know one day I paid for business class from Lagos to Abuja to know how business class is. I paid. The people that were serving felt I was too small to be in business class. So the, the full weight of the enjoyment, I did not experience it. But I knew, I knew that the seats were bigger. Are you with me? The church put me on business class. The place was... Ah. They even had, you could touch the seat, the thing would become a bed. I say, Jesus, I stretch myself, I stretch myself. <laughs> I say, indeed, you have called me, you have called me. <laughs> oh my God. All kinds of, they were serving. I say, so there's a world like this. So when I got to, to the border, and then the immigration interviewed me, he said, okay, what are you coming to do? I just showed him. He said, where is your ticket, your return ticket? I took my bag, I, I, I began to speak. I said, Lord, you brought me into this gate. Let fire be left behind. 
There's only one commodity I have, one merchandise. It's called fire. We come with fire. When I moved into my hotel room, prayed in tongues for 12 hours, then that fire came. Bah! That was the message that opened the whole of Europe to me. One message, one message. Now, listen, listen. If you, if you don't believe God, you might even do your best. It will not go anywhere. It won't go anywhere. Whole of Europe opened. By the time I came back to Abuja, they had put me for a training. So I saw my name. I went for the training. I sat there. I knew I couldn't do that work again. I just knew the end for this work has come. I called one of my colleagues and said, I'm not going to be with you people here for long. He didn't know that I was not joking. They had increased some allowances and they were rejoicing. It has entered. There's something higher than what you are experiencing. There's something higher. And God is willing to take you there if you can conceive it. There is something higher. So H is the element of salvation. I is imagine great thoughts. N is nourish your mind daily. Nourish your mind. Make sure you learn something every day. Every day. Something in line with your calling. Something in line with your purpose. Make sure you learn one new thing every day. Every single day every other day if god has called you into business make sure you learn something about business every day if god has called you into agriculture make sure you learn something about it every single day what you see flowing from my life are decades of investment decades if you start today there is no it will take you 20 years to get where i am and meanwhile i will not be waiting for you every day as long as it requires the scripture, I'm the man for the job. Yes, I'm the man for the job. I found grace in that area. Every day, since the days when I was 12 years old, I began this investment. Studying the Bible, reading books, going for discipleship. Oh, every what? Day. Even today I've learned my lessons for today, I learned them. And the lesson I learned today may not necessarily be for today. Every single day there's improvement. There is improvement. There is improvement. And then when you see me burning, it's a accumulation of investment. It's accumulation. I remember I went to minister somewhere in the United Kingdom and there was this British guy. He was in the room. And British people don't show their emotion. Whether they are happy or sad, they just stay like this. So I began to teach. I began to teach. And you know my kind of teaching. Sometimes I add some comedy. Everybody will laugh, the, the British guy. And the healing anointing came upon me. The guy was putting on glasses. I released it. People started seeing. The people saw on the left, on his left, people saw on his right, a lady behind him just fell with glasses, rose up and began to read with her glasses. He was the only one that was not healed. 
Then he became interested. When he was interested, I had finished. I had finished teaching. I had finished. So you can even get a British man to be interested. At the end of the day, I have seen the help of God. I've seen it. The help of God. The help of God. I've seen it. And today, I trust God that God will move us, will shift us in the name of Jesus. And finally, K means keep on learning. Keep on learning. 